Welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Needs, the podcast of Loves and Fishes Family Kitchen. In today's interview, we have the pleasure to talk to Cassie Bartholomew, Program Manager, Stop Waste in Alameda County. Please enjoy. Welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Need, podcast for Loves and Fishes Family Kitchen. Uh, my name is Mauricio Cordova. I'm your co-host with David Hodge. Good morning, David. Good morning, everybody. I know this isn't a good morning Vietnam show. However, it's a beautiful day in California. Just wanted to say good morning and thank you, listeners, for participating in this wonderful effort that's going on. You know, Was that today, good morning enough? I th- yeah, I think this should be a wait right now. And if they're not, we have a problem. But, uh, you know, we have uh, the pleasure to talk to, talking to Cassie Bartholomew, Program Manager with Stop Waste. Uh, good morning, Cassie. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure having somebody with your knowledge and uh, and experience in, in uh, food waste and food recovery and everything else that goes with, uh, I know, some circular economy uh, uh, initiatives and everything else you got going on in Alameda County. Tell us uh, by yourself and then also stop waste. What's going on? Why doing what you're doing? Why are you so passionate about it? Sure. Um well, gosh, let's see. You know, it's really interesting. I, I sort of had a full circle coming into the, the work around food waste prevention and food recovery. Um, I started early in my career uh, focused on environmental education after graduating from UC Santa Cruz, go banana slugs, um, with a, <laughs> a degree in environmental studies. Um, and really, you know, my, my primary interest was looking at conservation, protecting habitats, local wildlife, um, through educating the public and uh, specifically training teen uh, volunteers to essentially be ambassadors for um, our local flora and fauna. And, you know, it was through that work that I met this amazing professor, uh, Cindy Nelson at uh, Mills College, who was um, the the guru in worm composting. And, and I have to say that was sort of a pivotal moment for me to um, really shift my thinking around where I could have the biggest impact in my work, um, both in my professional and, and personal life and really shifting focus from wildlife to waste. Uh, and that brought me to Stop Waste, where for many years I had the um, pleasure of leading uh, transfer station field trips at the Davis Street Transfer Station in San Leandro. Um, and really, if you have ever have the opportunity to have that kind of experience to go and actually physically see and smell the big garbage pit where all of your curbside materials go if they <laughs> if they are tossed or thrown away, um, it's really a life-changing experience. And so um, so I think from there that led me into a number of positions at Stop Waste, um, where ultimately now uh, I'm focused on our food waste prevention and our food rescue or recovery initiatives. And I work with a wonderful team of staff helping to, to implement those. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I had actually the chance to uh, do a little bit of that with uh, our friend Lisa. She was doing a uh, waste characterization uh, study, and I volunteered to help her for a day. Oh, my God, yes. It's uh, it's an interesting situation and definitely changes your mind. And, and, you know, the part that really opened my eyes there is how much waste there was, how much perfectly good food got thrown away. For example, there was a bag of those little uh, cucumbers, like one was really rotten, the rest were fine. So somebody just looked at one, oh, that's it, the whole thing goes, right? 
Uh, so, you know, we can go into that tangent in a second, but yeah, it was interesting. So I, I've been there, you know, not respect for the people that do it every day, uh, definitely. But, you know, look at being there once whole day, going through trash, it was, uh, uh, it was very eye-opening, on, uh, at least on my sense. So anyhow, David. So I heard guru. That's, I love that word. I love that. <laughs> like we meet those professors and or individuals that influence a shift, you know, that pivotal moment that we make a shift. I wonder, you went from from animals to what you're doing now. What do you think caused that shift for you? Uh, gosh, that's a good question. You know, I worked at Lindsay Wildlife Museum for many years and we have a wildlife hospital and as a wildlife hospital volunteer and as a staff member, um, I saw how many of our local species were coming in with injuries related to humans or related to uh, uh, the impact of the built environment on the natural environment. And so I think that is what shifted my mindset of maybe I can do more in terms of influencing that built environment and the behaviors of individuals and how we can live kind of harmoniously with these native species um, and really think about the impacts of our actions. Uh, I mean, obviously at the Davis Street Transfer Station, we saw tons of wildlife that were impacted by the trash being thrown away, everything from what you yeah. would imagine was six pack rings and, and other stuff like like that. So um, I really had that visual of the impact um, that our some of our wasteful habits have on uh, on native species. So right on. And, and I agree. It is an impactful smell. Smells are so absolutely <laughs> important. Right. Right. I remember my kindergarten teacher's perfume. It's Ciara. And I'm an old <laughs> fart with gray hair. So it's like, you know, there's smells are so important. And 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 then the experience. So Thank you for that. So as you move into this role that you're doing now, and you talked about the the transitions from one to the next, one role to the next, what do you find to be the most invigorating, the most exciting part of what you do in your role today? Well, I mean, I, I think first of all, just um, having the opportunity to work at Stop Waste. Um, we are a very uh, unique uh, agency called a, a JPA or a Joint, Joint Powers Authority. Um, so we have the ability to work countywide with our uh, 17 member agencies or cities, um, uh, also sanitary districts and unincorporated areas of the county. Um, we have obviously a large population of residents in the Bay Area, over you know 1.7 million residents. And so uh, I think the the um, the influence uh, that that we have through countywide programs really has such a great impact on um, a multi a number of audiences from residents to schools to businesses. Um, and I think you know while my focus is looking at food waste prevention and recovery, we have a number of other programs that are working on energy efficiency or urban farming and how to build healthy soil through composting. So uh, I think we're just really fortunate to have a more holistic um, look at tackling these environmental issues, especially those related to uh, climate change and, um, and figuring out how we can reduce the impact of, of uh, um, our actions in Alameda County, whether it's individual or collective. Right on, right on. And I know that we had the pleasure of being part of the CRRA um, event, and you were a speaker, 
and and did a wonderful job. And and I just wonder from the information shared, what is it that you you specialize in with the effort that you're working on with Stop Waste? What is the area that you help people to understand or uh, communicate with the information that you you collect and then share? Sure. Um, well, we have a number of food waste prevention and recovery initiatives at Stop Waste. Uh, I have to say one of the most impactful um, pilots and programs that we have offered over the years um, is called the Smart Kitchen Initiative. And way before SB 1383, um, you know, we were looking at what still remained in the waste stream in Alameda County. And a big portion of that, the largest portion, uh, was food waste and food soil paper. And so um, while we had composting programs in place and more downstream approaches to managing that and, and trying to keep that those resources out of landfill, um, we wanted to shift upstream to look at food waste prevention. And so um, our Smart Kitchen Initiative uh, initially worked with commercial kitchens to track pre-consumer food waste in the back of the mm. kitchen. So like this is looking at the food that's produced during um, food preparation, maybe food that's prepared but not served, but definitely not the food that you see reaching a consumer's plate um, just uh, in the back of the kitchen. And um, just through that practice of tracking and measuring the amount of um, of that pre-consumer food waste, we saw huge opportunities in terms of how to, to reduce um, that food that was going to waste, whether through prevention, with proper knife skills, um, you know, batch cooking, uh, a number of inventory management, you know, a number of other best practices. Um, we saw the opportunity to, to reduce that surplus so that those businesses didn't necessarily even have to donate uh, that food. But at the same time, we also added some tracking features working with uh company yes. clems and yeah. you know andrew yeah. shackman who is also another guru in this in this work um uh we we started tracking potential for donation and we noticed that uh, there was a lot of food that could have been donated that was still going into compost um, or going to waste and so i think um you know that led to an entry point of thinking about as an agency how we could uh, better support food recovery activities um, in our county, but also not lose sight of the prevention piece. Because I think that is, there's tension between those two at times. And sometimes it's it's easier to <laughs> donate than it is to prevent that surplus from being generated in the first place. Correct. Yeah, uh, and, and that's something where, you know, through all of our initiatives, we're trying to sort of juggle and, and still hold the upstream prevention um, as a first priority. And then if food can't, you know, be prevented, then prevent that surplus uh, or rescue that surplus that's being generated. Right on. Um, yeah, you mentioned something earlier that was interesting, uh, the holistic part of it. I mean, the law came, you know, SB 33 came into, I mean, it was passed in 2015 and it's finally taken effect seven years later. Um, so that tells you how long a, a law could be, takes to, to be implemented. But uh, <laughs> On the holistic side, and, and maybe we're volunteer initiatives and so forth. How do you? What kind of success you had with that? And how do you guys manage that message? Because you know, 
it's easier to tell somebody you have to do it by law and they'll do the bare minimum because they don't want to get in trouble with the law, right? It's like, you know, I'll drive 67 miles per hour because I know I'm not going to get pulled over if I don't go over 72 or whatever it is, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to do the minimum. I'm going to, I'm going to push that boundary. But to get people to change their behaviors uh, on a volunteer basis is, is sometimes very hard. Uh, you have to do it with the right message. What kind of uh, messaging you guys use? What kind of advertising or you know uh, awareness campaign? And what kind of success you guys have with it? Yeah, that um, so it, it kind of varies based on audience. Um, I think when we're talking about SB thirteen eighty three and those impacted by the law in terms of commercial edible food generators, we of course are are following what we need to in terms of education and outreach for SB 1383 with notification um, of the law and what those businesses are required to do in terms of recovery. Um, you know, as you both know, there's really not a mandate to prevent. Uh, uh, in SB 1383, though, we have tried to incorporate some of those best practices into our local ordinance, which is um, it's called the Organics Reduction Recycling Ordinance, or otherwise known as ORO. Uh, but I think you know we're we're actually in another part of our work, not in in my wheelhouse. Uh, you know, we've had a long-standing mandatory organics recycling ordinance in place. And so some of these behaviors are not new for our businesses, um, but we are doing some testing of messaging uh, with sending out letters to businesses with um, different calls to action, uh, you know, and different motivators that are mentioned just to see, like, is it public health that motivates a business? Is it cost saving? Is it is it the environmental impact or climate mm -hmm. change? And so that's actually some new work uh, that some of my colleagues are, are doing right now. Um, but yes, the carrot versus the stick is um, something we <laughs> we always um, are balancing at, at Subwaste. And even with a stick, it, it is sometimes hard to get compliance. And True. so I would say for these more innovative upstream uh, activities. We have also uh, tried to decrease the risk for businesses to participate for by providing things like stipends to cover the extra staff time to implement a project initially. Um, we do have a grant program, a very uh, robust grant program that is open to um, both businesses and nonprofit organizations uh, and um, for example, uh, one of our prevention grantees uh, last year was Washington Hospital, who uh, used some of our funding to supplement the cost of uh, purchasing an induction plate warmer. And um, if you ever have a chance to follow the path of, of food service staff taking plates from the kitchen to the rooms, it's like a, an incredible amount of steps from that kitchen to the first room, like 10,000 or so. It's crazy. And during that time, food goes cold. And so uh, they discovered that um, they, through their in-bed, inpatient meal program, a lot of food was going to waste or getting rejected just because of the temperature. Right. So if we can provide sort of help with the upfront costs of those types of systems, then um, ultimately that's sustainable, right? Because now it's in their kitchen, they're using it in their full production and hopefully um, reducing the waste there. Uh, and then I think the other piece that we have is a, a business waste um, uh 
Reduction Excellence Award program that we really recognize and, and hold up those businesses that are doing uh, innovative waste reduction work and hopefully use them as a model for other like businesses in our county. Um, so just really recognizing and publicizing and sharing those success stories of waste prevention in the field really helps with engagement as well. That is so cool. And I just yeah. want to tell the listeners that I learned a, a <laughs> cool phrase that that uh, Casey shared with me, and that's feeding two birds with one seed. Previously, I used tilling, killing two birds with one stone, right? And when I heard her say that, I was like, wow, it just changes the spirit of the conversation. So I thank you. I use that a lot and I give you credit. <laughs> Two more times I'll give you credit and then it becomes and mine. I, okay. And you yeah. took it from someone else. So don't give me any credit. It's all about recycling, yeah, right? Reuse. Exactly. Resource recycle. Uh, yeah. So like what I heard was quite a bit of energy, energy around, you know, these these ways that things evolve, right? And how when an effort is 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 done, another individual triggers another behavior, which in turn causes another solution or another bump, right? And I, I was unaware, I think that, you know, that use case, you know, when you're when you're dealing with that much food, at the end of the process, it could be cold, and then yeah, it's going to go to waste, right? So solutions that may seem simple, aren't thought about when everybody's so busy trying to help, right? And it, it, it's really cool. And, and I was not aware, you know, I knew about the grant uh, opportunities, but to the listeners, you know, this is something that's there as a resource, right? And so how would someone uh, get involved in if they have a good idea, how would they find out about how to process that or, or reach out to you? And is it just within Alameda County? Yeah, good question. Uh, so we offer a grant solicitation cycle every year. Typically, it's at the beginning of the calendar year. So uh, I think we're anticipating January, February for, for that to uh, be announced. And in addition to food waste prevention and recovery, we have a number of other focus areas, everything from uh, reusable transport packaging to reuse and repair, um, reusable food service where there's a big emphasis for scalable systems to, to promote reusables in our county. And the focus areas vary from year to year, but generally that's sort of the, the focus for our grants. Um, the grants, as I mentioned, are available for businesses and nonprofit organizations, um, depending on the focus area, there's some variation there. And um, they are available to uh, nonprofits and businesses either located in Alameda County or doing work that is um, benefit benefiting or serving Alameda County. I think there are a few exceptions to that, depending on where the funding source is coming from. But for the most part, um, that's our emphasis um, because we're trying to, uh, you know, have an impact in, in Alameda County. Makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. And no. I, I, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to mention uh, a couple things I'm super excited Yay! about um, because we have been, <laughs> I'm glad you share my excitement, David. Um, we have, uh, uh, you know, we started a grant program where I think the first year we received two applications to um, last year, you know, we awarded over $400,000 to close to 30 organizations. Um, but one Thing I'm really excited about is we've provided, you know, we our agency is very focused on 
equity? Um, how do we make our programs more accessible? Maybe not all organizations, especially nonprofit food recovery organizations, have the ability to even apply for a grant. And so how can we make those more accessible, um, provide different language options as well? And so for our food waste prevention grants, um, you know, we have the traditional 20,000 either focused on prevention or food recovery. Um, but more recently, we've offered an equipment only grant, which has a lot less requirements to apply. It's a shorter application, less reporting. Uh, and that I think is really crucial for SB 1383, as I know you probably heard from many others, um, Patty, Iyer, <laughs> and Robin, and, you know, Michelle, like infrastructure is, is clearly needed in Alameda County in terms of cold storage, uh, food storage, kitchen support to basically be able to receive and rescue all of this new food that will be coming uh, through SB 1383 mandates. And so um, the equipment grants really provide that temperature control food storage, in addition to several of our organizations who are actually looking at replacing single use um, disposable bags with reusable totes right on. and trying to um, to provide a more dignified experience for food food recipients and their clients um, by offering a kind of more a client choice shopping model with um, reusable bags. So, um, so that's very exciting. And then we, hey. we also are providing scales, um, which cool. may not sound exciting, but truly no, needed. It's so important. Yeah. <laughs> to, um, to estimate, like I have a scale in my right hand. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> right. This looks like 10 pounds. I mean, and 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 people, I think, have a tendency to forget that that's needed equipment that, that can shorten the process and improve accuracy, so that in turn it positively impacts the rest of the effort. Right? What looks to be fifty pounds could actually be a hundred. What looks to be fifty pounds could actually be ten. Right? How 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 neat and clean is the is the data? And I'm certain that will impact you know capacity and such. Right? So well, good point. Yeah, yeah, some of that, you know, comes down to if you can track it, then, you know, then you can measure it, right? And uh, we haven't really done a, a great job for many years of tracking and measuring food recovery and all that stuff. We've been guesstimating, you know, you know, you think it's weight or whatever, but a lot of times you, you know, like David said, you know, you do that part. So it's one of those that is evolving as part of the food recovery process and, and be able to get more data. But one of the things that you mentioned also earlier, and I keep thinking about is the upstream uh, part of what you guys are working on. Because yes, a lot of the things that you're providing right now are downstream solutions. You know, you're just fixing the, the, the problem that you have in front of you, but you're not doing the root cause. Why is it happening? How do we avoid that, right? How do we prevent some of these things? And I think that's gonna be something very important because we go back to the 40% of all the food that we produce goes to waste, right? So you gotta think about that you know, almost half of everything we produce. And if you look at it, the amount of food that gets produced in the United States is ridiculous. You know, we don't, we really don't use, uh, well, animals eat more food produced in the United States than we do because the majority of the grains are for uh, uh, cattle uh, or uh, stock feed. And then a lot of it gets uh, used for ethanol and other uh, biofuels uh, and so forth. It's a very small amount. It's actually for human consumption in the U.S. And yes, we export a lot of it. But anyhow, going back to the original part of my statement here is you, you, you were talking about upstream solutions, right? And uh, 
And I think that's more important. Is there any one particular uh, upstream solution or initiative related to SB 1383 that you can share with us that uh, Stop Waste or Alameda County is working on? Hmm, upstream. Well, um, I, you know, I, I, we have a whole other arm for consumers, which I'd love to talk <laughs> a little bit about. But in terms of SB 1383, um, we are, as I mentioned, you know, providing education and outreach. Um, but as part of that, we will be offering technical assistance to uh, commercial edible food generators. Um, specifically around prevention and recovery, which is new. So we've yeah. always offered the downstream, like how, how to set up recycling systems, how mm -hmm. to, you know, get service. Um, but this will be a new aspect of our work and um, excited about uh, hopefully connecting businesses directly to food recovery organizations or partners to help establish those programs. Um, and as, as you mentioned, um, you know, David, the tracking piece and, and Mauricio, you also mentioned this, like you can't ma manage what you don't measure. And so we're hoping right. by providing that feedback loop of how much food is being donated, those businesses will see opportunities to reduce. Yeah. Um, I will say that just tracking pounds donated doesn't really get, that's the the, the how much, right? Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mm -hmm. really get at the root causes of why that surplus is being generated in the first place. And that was really the beauty of, of using Lean Path is it not only looks at the food types and how much is being uh, generated, but the why, why mm -hmm. is it being overproduced? Uh, and so I think we're interested in looking at um, learning more about food service and food operators, especially those tier two more prepared food uh, generators to really better understand why food is going to waste and are there more upstream ways for us to intervene um, before that food either has to be composted or, or recovered. And, you know, there's so many innovative tools and resources that are out there. We're in the process of um, releasing an RFQ, and I don't have a better name for it yet, but it's uh, <laughs> focused on food waste prevention uh, solution providers. And so yeah. we were taking a step mm. back to see what's new, innovative, what's working yeah. that's out there and try to connect those solution providers with the businesses directly to take us out huh. of the middle. Uh, so that's all upcoming work, um, yeah. I guess, related to SB 1383, but definitely above and beyond what's required by the law. You you, were, you wanted to talk about consumers. Go ahead. What is it that uh, is going on at that uh, uh, consumer education part? Because I think that's very important. A lot of the waste comes from residential use, uh, residential uh, 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 people, not businesses. We all waste, you know, about one fourth of our food every year at least. So I think uh, there's a big aspect to that also because that will change. Uh, behavior, consumer behavior will be a big thing if we want to become more efficient, right? Uh, so anyhow, what do you? What, you were going to share something with us about that. Well, I just was going to say, building on your, um, you know, the 40 percent, 30 to 40 percent of food that goes to waste. I know the more recent refed uh, research has shown that close to 67 percent of food that goes to waste is generated from uh, either consumers or households and mm -hmm. consumer facing businesses. And so um, if we look at those together, um, where are there opportunities for us to both work with the businesses that are generating that surplus and influence consumer behaviors because consumers drive waste as well and consumer expectations and purchasing habits are all part of um, 
mm-hmm. the puzzle and the solutions. And so yeah. um, we started a campaign several uh, years ago called Stop Food Waste, and it's a, a residential or consumer facing campaign uh, that provides resources and actionable tips to uh, to reduce food waste at home uh, through food saving tips, uh, including how to store your fruits and vegetables properly, um, getting a, an idea of what is going to waste in your fridge by doing a fridge audit or what we call fridge reality check. Yeah, um, just to it. really understand like yeah. what are those like moldy Time things hiding smoothie. in the back of the fridge. Yeah, <laughs> Great Halloween activity coming up. But yeah. um, uh, and other, other tools and resources and those are all available uh, on our website. Yeah. Uh, and one uh, new uh, development with our Stop Food Waste campaign is that, you know, initially we were focused on the target audience of households with children at home and um, higher income households, because based on the research, uh, when we launched the campaign, uh, those were the the biggest food wasting uh, residents in Alameda mm-hmm. County. Um, but we also, um, after the pandemic, saw the huge impacts in our communities with an increase in, in hunger and food insecurity. And um, and so we have also been shifting the campaign messaging and kind of resources and call to action to work through our food recovery organizations as the communicators with their clients to um, really give them what we've developed initially and say, how is this relevant for your communities? How could we change the messaging? Uh, mm. What is this produce on our storage guide culturally relevant? What should we highlight for for your clients in terms of food storage tips? So um, part of our, our team is is working on that shift and um, also doing some consumer facing pilots at local um, community markets where people are purchasing food and making decisions around. Uh, food purchasing. And you facetiously said earlier that you weren't a heavy hitter. Good gosh. There's like, like you just shared so much about what you and your organization are Mm -hmm. doing to help impact the effort that we are all involved in. And, you know, I say it on every episode, I'm a hippie with short hair. If we can keep it out of the ground, like let's keep it out of the ground because it goes into the ground and it becomes methane and then it erodes our ozone. And I'm all about the creator and mother mother earth listeners can't hear it. But in the back of me, my zoom background is a, is banner peak, which is in the Eastern Sierra Nevada mountains. And I spend, I almost said it a big amount of time in the back country. <laughs> and I want our back country to be there for our kids. So I think that again, back to you, it isn't the David show. It's the, it's the Casey show. The, the effort that you and your organization are putting into this uh, is wonderful. And I've learned quite a bit about some of the pieces and parts. And, you know, what is it that if you could pick like for, for your listen, our listening audience to know what would be the biggest help to you and your organization for the public to know and, and, and do to help to support your efforts? Well, I think probably focusing on supporting our, our partners and, and, and accessing resources through our, our jurisdictions and cities. Um, you know, when it comes to food recovery, uh, we have a, 
an Alameda County Food Recovery Network that meets monthly, and we have up to 60 organizations doing incredible work throughout the county from our large community food bank to small faith-based organizations. And I have learned so much about their work through this network. And uh, I think um, any opportunity where individuals can learn about these organizations within your own communities and ways to support them, uh, doesn't that support doesn't always mean a traditional, you know, five hour shift volunteering at a, a food, you know, distribution center, but um, there are so many new models for volunteering and ways to support um, in addition to providing financial support, which is, I know is, is the number one need um, <laughs> with our food recovery partners. Uh, so I would just encourage, yeah, um, individuals to kind of learn about those organizations in your community um, and uh, share the tips that are available through our stopfoodwaste.org website. Um, we have social channels where we have daily tips and videos and share them with your friends and family and, um, you know, be be an ambassador for reducing wasted food in, in your in your household that will have a huge impact. We all eat food, right? We all mm, eat food. Yeah. It's something that unites us. It's something we all have in common. Some of us have more, some of us have, have less, but um, trying to have those conversations and just we all waste food at some point and how can we get around that and look at solutions? Right on. I'm sure you're making the banana slugs very proud with your work. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Mauricio? You know, uh, she mentioned earlier how to get involved. So we will put a uh, description of the of the website and everything else on our on the and the link for down in the link in the uh, yeah, now I can't even talk. And that's a first for me uh, for the episode. And uh well, you know, share anything else that maybe uh, people will be interested in. And like I said, uh, website, any other websites like Alameda County, anything else that uh, besides stop, uh, stopwaste.org, any other ones, Cassie? Um, well, I'll just uh, shifting to businesses. Um, we do have a landing page for uh, SB 1383 and ORO, our local ordinance uh, at stopwaste.org dot org forward slash rules and there's a number of resources there everything from downstream videos to setting up uh sorting systems or recycling systems in your in your uh, business to um, getting labels to label your your bins properly um we have sample contract templates for food recovery uh one new uh, resource that we have is an online list of food recovery partners. And I think uh, we have about 35 organizations that are on that list. It's searchable by zip code. Uh, there's a platform called Resource, and I can give you the, the website to, to share. Yeah, I'm Marcia. looking at it. It's pretty um, nice. This yeah, so awesome. it's, it's kind of like your one-stop online guide for reuse, repair, recycling, and safe disposal. Nice. And we've added in food recovery to that. So that's definitely a resource, both for individuals to you know learn how to support those organizations and for businesses to find a partner to donate I, to. I love how you've set this up too. I'm looking at it uh, as we speak and it just looks like very user-friendly and, and it looks like there's a ton of information that can be accessed. I love this. Anyway, we have a tendency, Mauricio and I have a tendency to talk over each other sometimes. So just, yeah. it's our normal MO. So anyway, yeah, we'll this, this, this is this is cool. It is. It's, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, uh, we'll wrap it up here in a minute. And, uh, you know, uh, 
thank you, Cassie, again, for, for everything, uh, taking the time and, and sharing all this great work and everything you're doing in uh, Subways for Alameda County. And I think it takes a city at a time, an organization at a time, maybe a county at a time for us to get uh, to where we need to be as a state. And hopefully the rest of the United States will follow us to, to California, right? We have a lot of stuff going on and we tend to be the uh, pioneers uh, in a lot of these things. So pretty excited to be part of it. Uh, David, any last words before we wrap you up? Know, K- Casey, I, I, you undersold. Um, I appreciate all the contribution that you've done. Um, as I get to know you more, I really appreciate the effort that you're putting into this. And we really appreciate your time. And, and it looks like there's a lot going on on at Stop Waste. Thank you so much uh, for, for setting aside the time to talk to us. Um, and uh, we wish you just blessed journeys in the future with all the effort that you have going on. It looks like you're you're looking ahead and, and your teams at Stop Waste are continuing to be creative. What would you want the listening audience to be left with? Like, like what comes up for you to leave the audience with? At this well, moment? I think for me, it's more of a thank you to you both for providing this platform uh, to really uh, bring light to the issue of not only the issue of waste of food, uh, but also collect how uh, each of us as individuals and organizations are really tackling this issue. And I think, you know, we all are are leaning on each other, whether we're individuals or organizations to um, not reinvent the wheel, but really identify impacts that we can uh, we can make in our communities. And I just appreciate that you're providing this space for us to share some of the work that we're doing. And there are organizations and counties and jurisdictions across the Bay Area that are really leading the way in this work. So I appreciate hearing more and, and learning more about that work. Right on, Casey. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, thank Cali PA for the grant that made this podcast possible. Without their support, we wouldn't be here. We're very thankful for that. And until next time, uh, ciao.